I'm Stephen. And I'm Jake. Welcome to Tales from the SaaS Graveyard, where we talk to employees at tech companies that are in the middle of the bell curve. Not going out of business, but definitely not hitting the big time. The SaaS Graveyard is a purgatory populated by companies that have made it to annual revenues in the 30 to 50 million range, but can't get to the next level, which is pretty impressive outside of Silicon Valley, but frowned upon here. We interview folks in various roles about their experience working in companies like this. We're looking to see what common themes emerge across industries and roles. Today we'll be talking with our friend Joe, who worked as a data scientist for a company that did tracking and analytics for physical retail spaces. It's going to be exciting as we'll get to delve into the world of big data. Steven, how do you feel about various tech companies tracking you and using your data? You know, Jake, most of the time, if I feel like I'm getting a better end experience of using their product by them having this information, I'm generally okay with it. But if I feel like the company is just using my data and not making the world a better place, then I kind of intentionally keep my data inaccurate on those websites just to spite them. Um, I also think a lot of the times with a lot of these places that just make money from advertising, the people that you really like on those platforms, there's other ways to support them other than just watching the ads where they might be only getting a small cut of that revenue, that there's other ways to support those artists, whether it's through like their own personal website or buying stuff directly from them. So I always recommend going and doing those things opposed to just relying on the ad revenue from the video you're watching to go to that creator or maybe that song you listen to being the only way. What about you, Jake? Uh, you know, I think that companies using my data, that's just part of the bargain of the internet. And I'm comfortable with everyone using anything that I do online, um, just because I don't ever assume that anything is private. I assume that even if something is marked private or, you know, no one can see it, that there's someone somewhere who has access to that data. And either accidentally or maliciously, it could be leaked out. And so things that I'm embarrassed about, um, like maybe listening to Avril Lavigne on Spotify, I have to, for me to actually press play on one of her songs, I have to be comfortable with the fact that that information is going to come out in my uh, 2028 presidential campaign. Um, so, you know, to all the kids out there, uh, don't send a picture of your penis to anyone unless you're okay with everyone seeing it. Yeah, Jake, that, that's a great point because you never know. For all we know, this conversation can be being recorded right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope it's being recorded right now. Um, and on that note, uh, let's bring in uh, Joe. And Joe, thanks for coming in today. Thank you. Um, so today we're going to talk about your time at Aristotle. Can you tell us what were you doing before you joined there? Yeah, I was working at another uh, startup, five people startup uh, at doing um, biotech, um, just doing data science. And then uh, then I found, found, found Aristotle. So when you say you found them, were you at that point then actively looking for a change in control in in roles? Yeah, yeah. So we 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 just got the Series A at that point, and I was looking for a change. Actually, found found a link on Hacker News in the Y Combinator. They have a monthly posting, so saw that and and apply applied to a couple of places, and, and this one was the one that uh, seems the most interesting, and that when I joined them. So what was it about Aristotle that, that drew you in? Like you saw the posting, why did you choose to apply to that particular one? Yeah, so um, the, the previous startup was actually one of the first one I did uh, in a long time. And it was kind of too small and not enough data. Aristotle has lots of data. When I talked to them, you know, they have um, a, a lot of uh, deployed um, models. And um, so they were like much more developed. And at that time I was, Kind of transitioning from a software engineer to a data scientist, 
And I figure this this place, you know, has more data, much more to learn, more responsibilities. And you know, since it's a bigger, more mature company, um, I figure that that would be a good place for me to kind of jumpstart a data scientist career. Cool. Uh, what were your impressions of the the people that you interviewed with? Oh uh, yeah. Uh, so people I interviewed with was pretty cool, pretty laid back. Um, um, the the question that they asked it it kind of varies because since I have a software engineering background, I have both a very technical uh, interview, and then I also have some <laughs> more statistic, more math mathy interview for 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 data scientists. So it kind of uh, varies, and the people there seems pretty nice. Um, I, I, you know, talk to the CTO, I talk to the hiring manager uh, in different departments, and then uh, kind of just thought the company was interesting and, and thought, you know, wherever I fit in, I'll, I'll get to do whatever, you know, would, would be interesting at that point. And you, you mentioned there were other companies that you were interviewing at the time. Were you, were, is there any debate in your mind of Aristotle versus anywhere else, or were you 100% uh, in for Aristotle. Yeah, there there were a couple couple other ones that were um, in in similar vein, but um, I think part of part of the reason was the those those other companies were also uh, relatively new and also in um, you know biotech space, which um, I kind of got turned off a, a little bit by you know just 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 how the first uh, startup went. So. Um, this was this one was kind of you know where 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 I want to be and the, the, the folks seem to be technical uh, the people interviewing me were electrical engineers they they were more engineering based versus more like the um, pharmacy and healthcare professionals so it seems like my kind of people and it, it, it was a it was a good match. Now you mentioned um, that Aerosol had uh, they were focused on retail customers. Was there any particular type of retail, or was it all 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 types of retail stores? I think they, they were more uh, all over. I mean, as as, as I joined, uh, when I joined, they were have specific specific segment they were focused on. You know, basically places where there's a lot of you know food traffic, places that's closer to the mall, uh, things like that. Um, but then uh, after I joined, it it kind of expanded to other things also. Um. And then, you know, still while you're you're thinking of accepting this role, were there any uh, sort of warning signs or things that gave you hesitation about joining them? Uh, yeah, so I had um, multiple interviews just because um, the the role in particular kind of was uh, not the data scientist is kind of hard to define even like at, at, at this stage, and this was a few years back, so. I had uh, multiple interviews about the role, about exactly what I was going to do, um, and then there were times when, you know, I, I just wasn't getting exactly knowing exactly what what I was going to do. How many percentage was you know the the data engineering part? How much percentage was the um, you know the science part? And when I was joining them, they only have a couple of people. And then when I accepted, like post accepting the offer there were there were more folks who joined right before me so it was um kind of interesting um that there was a lot more people than 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 what i was expecting which is good and bad <laughs> at that point right and this idea that you know different i guess so during the interview process different people gave you different impressions what the job would be like do you think that's just um the nature of of a data scientist at that time or was it more unique to aristotle i think it's um Probably 
a little bit of both and also unique to myself since I, I came from a software engineering background. There's right. a lot of folks who are, you know, peer data scientists who, you know, would, would need a lot more handholding to do the engineering side. For me, I, you know, I could be a data engineer, I could be a data scientist. So I think when I was interviewing for the role, they would kind of figure out where I could fit in best for what I could do. But it's also like what my aspiration was, was to move to more data scientists rather than the data engineering part, which I, I've been doing uh, in previous, uh, previous companies. Before we move into you know, your actual time, time there, uh, is there anything you wish that you had found out or had asked during the interview process um, that would have like, made your time there uh, better? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think you know, the, basically the makeup of team when I first uh, interviewed at the time uh, for, for, for the data design team, um, you know, I, I just didn't know what was going on at, at the same time when I'm interviewing. Um, the multiple roles that, that were open, it, it just, I think I, if I have taken in a little bit and get more details, I would be a little bit more prepared when I join and not be, you know, surprised on the first day that, you know, a team of two became a team, team of six and seven um, yeah, in such a short time. So, so is that when you found out, like you basically joined on your first day thinking you were a team of two and then all of a sudden there were six people there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there were two people who were already on board. Um, and then when I joined, uh, three people would join uh, a month before before I did. So that that's kind of like when I uh, when I accepted the job. So when I joined, there were a bunch of new people, basically the team double 2.5. Um, and, then, and then I joined. So just wasn't expecting that and and then trying to kind of navigate uh, in, in, in that term was, you know, like, like you jump in, you have some, you know, idea of what the team's going to look like, what you were going to do. And then when you when join now, you know, things are a little bit uh, different than what I expected. Now, you said that there was both good and bad to this team being bigger than you expected. What was the good and what was the bad? Yeah, so actually, uh, the, the folks that joined were basically fresh out of college. So we, we hire a lot of new folks who are not as experienced, so they, they, they require some handholding. Uh, the, the good part is they were all, you know, really good, uh, really smart kids. Brad is, you know, trying to kind of navigate exactly what you're going to do, how, how to call things out when you have uh, a lot bigger team to kind of, you know, manage. Um, also, uh, one of the uh, they, uh, one of the person that the interview with got promoted to be the manager. So we, we have to kind of work through a little bit differently because when I joined, there, there wasn't a manager at that time. So things were kind of coughed out. You just have like less people to kind of figure out what to do. So there's more, I guess, uh, surface area to kind of figure out what you're going to do. Good part is there's more people to do stuff. The, <laughs> the, the not so good part is, you know, trying to figure out what everybody else could and, and would do because, you know, everybody is so new. Joe, so you have this this large team, and I think we got a little bit of a sense of this already, but can you describe what your first month was at Aristotle? Yeah, so first month was actually <laughs> fixing bugs, <laughs> fixing a, a bunch of bugs. So uh, a little bit of history. The company's been around for a while. So they were um, originally have a CTO, hot, hardware focus, and their quote-unquote data scientists were electrical engineers who kind of like switch over double time. So the code base itself was, wasn't that great. Uh, the folks who joined 
before me were trying to like fix some of that. So when I joined, you know, help fixing fixing bugs, uh, code reviews, doing a normal software engineering, uh, st um, you know, stuff. And and most of the team, uh, my team were not were not software engineer. They were data scientists or you know statistics uh, that type of stuff. So uh, have to bring in a little bit more rigor into that. So did that, uh, looked into the database, looked into the data, understand uh, what the business needs are. And that's kind of like the, the first month. And then, you know, just trying to, you know, get with the stakeholder, get with product, uh, figure out uh, some of the product roadmap. And now were you working pretty much independently? They're like, Joe, go figure out this data science stuff with us. You, you're working with these other teams of six people. Are were you a lot of these kind of... Um goals and kind of research you were doing kind of set out by product? Uh, so it it was kind of set out by product, yeah, at least in the beginning. I think there were goals for us to kind of look at the data and then figure out what else we could do with it. But uh, when I joined, uh, there were a couple of, I guess, like more urgent needs because the model that was built previously worked, you know, in the beginning, but a lot of, you know, things with data science, uh, things stop working after a while, you, you don't curate it and things get stale and, and stuff like that. So uh, kind of maintaining that the current product and then adding features to it that, you know, they were dying to, to add anyway. Uh, so that kind of take front and center way away. Um, and then the, the research part and the data digging part, you know, with some, some of the junior folks start looking at data in, in term, you know, a analytics uh, rather than like, more machine learning stuff. So um, I think we have some leeway, but we also have to kind of like support the current customer. Now, I know you mentioned that a lot of your, your teammates were kind of new, fresh out of school, or maybe coming more from just the pure data science background opposed to the engineering background as well. Do you think there was a mistake in, process, in the process of hiring people that there should have been focused on more people like yourself of who do the blend? And they overestimated what data science meant in hiring someone who's purely data science focused, opposed to engineering, for the team. No, I, I don't think so. Uh, so, so we do have a you know, data kind of data platform team who moves a little more like the traditional data engineering could do some of that. Now, because of the way the company was set up previously, you know, as a startup, that a lot of these roles blend blend together. So there were the data, you know need to be massaged a little bit more. Um, and and the way that the model was built was a little bit more, you know, um, more on the engineering side. So it requires a little bit more engineering work. I mean, nowadays you would probably use, you know, other tools or data warehouse, you know, like something a little bit easier to manage for the data scientists. But at that time, you know, a lot of things need to be done, need to be clean and, and things, more data engineering work than, than what we require today. So when they hire, um, I think more folks on the data science side. I think the, the idea was to beef up the data science muscle. Um, but on the other hand, you know, without good data, it's hard to do the data modeling. So I think it's like caught before the horse, or uh, yeah, before the cart. I think you know, at, at some point you really don't know until you start digging in. Um, and 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 a lot of the folks who were there before. Kind of already left um, by the time you basically spin up uh, a team. So I think it's you know like hindsight is is better, but um, I think I think they 
they probably did the right thing. Now, I know you mentioned there's this team who left before you. Did you get a sense of why they left? Was it political? Was it that they just felt wanted to move on? Uh, I don't know all the details. So there was only like one guy who was kind of bridged from, from back then to, to, to when I joined. I think uh, in the beginning of the company, it was more hardware focused. Um, they have a lot of hardware engineers and, and, and things like that. And then I think that iteration was done. When I joined, the iteration was more moved to software. The hardware side was more partner, so there was, a, there was not as much need for that. Um, and I think other people just move on. I wasn't, you know, wasn't exactly sure why why that was. Uh, we had we had a new CTO who was more focused, who knows about data data science, uh, who, who's a you know data expert. So the CTO hire you know hired the need or the data science team to beat that up. Uh, I think that's kind of how it evolved. Now let's look at more just kind of your lifestyle when you're at uh, Aristotle. What was the office like? Was it was there an office? Did you work remotely? What was the what was the office like, or what was your office environment? Yeah, like? yeah. So it, it's 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 one of these warehouses. I mean, it's like what you expect from a startup. <laughs> it's 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 the warehouse with high ceilings, thick windows. It's it's a it's practically a converted warehouse. Um, and then we have the open office. Team sits, you know, at kind of have like their own group. The data scientists sit in the group, engineers sit in the group, and then we rotate every like six months to just get people in the different um, area. So, yeah, it's pretty typical of, 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 a, of a startup. Oh God! And so they would literally just say, "It's been six months, Joe. We're moving your desk over to this place," and so everyone just has a new scenery at that yes. point. Yes, actually move the whole group. So the whole group will move, like the data science group will move, the engineering group will move, the go-to-market will move at, at the same time. You move as a group, but the group, you know, some people get window one time, and other people get <laughs> at the wall at a different time, yeah. Pretty much you'd stay at the company until, well, you had your window spot, but as soon as you knew you were in the rotation where you had the wall period, you knew that was when you were going to yeah. plan on leaving the company. Exactly. <laughs> the less sunlight you get, then yeah, it's a predictor. Yeah. <laughs> Now, would you say that the office culture uh, was it lively? Was it were people usually in the office, or what was the office vibe? Yeah, I think office vibe was pretty good. I think you know there was a kind of separation between you know the engineers and the you know sales and go to market uh, that that kind of thing. Um, but overall, I think it was pretty pretty uh, collaborative. Obviously, you know engineer comes in at ten, yeah, folks are uh, <laughs> in by. Uh, seven or eight, especially when they have to deal with the um, East Coast c- customer. Um, for, for the data science team, it's even uh, weirder because in those days, it was, uh, we have a lot of, you know, because we uh, the new folks and it's, it's much more of a, I guess, college environment where, you know, there's a lot of like discussion. There's a lot of, uh, I would say, like similar to seminars. So uh, a lot of learning going on there. Um, Compared to you know, you know your typical engineer where you have engineering where you have meetings and you code all day and you know this one's a little bit more uh, communications and and just talking stuff out. So while you were while you were there, what was the thing that you're most professionally proud of that you were able to accomplish? Yeah, so um, when I was there, uh, I actually built a second version of the pipeline. So 
uh, I, I wish it was more data science focused, but um, what, what, what actually ended up happening is we kind of pivot to a little bit different product line. So the, uh, the data that we're getting was, was not good enough to do any more models. So since I was more of an engineer, I got tasked to do, you know, a uh, second version of the data pipeline. It took like four months um, to get that out and it, it worked out pretty well. And then from that, uh, all the other folks could do more of the modeling and, and data science. Uh, so that, that enabled more people to do uh, more of the data science stuff. So I, I think that was a pretty good accomplishment. So you guys pivoted, you needed, you needed a new data pipeline in order to do data science. Was the old pipeline just worthless at that point? Like you guys were dead in the water? Yeah, so it, it, it was supporting a different model, uh, different way of doing things. So the data just wasn't enough and wasn't rich enough. Um, so we need to basically go back and, you know, take up more stuff from the data that we have and enrich them and, and do more stuff for it to support newer model. So the, the old one still kind of runs, but uh, that business was kind of winding down. We have to support some existing customer, but the new pipeline could support both. I have a question. You'd mentioned that you joined Aerosolid because you wanted to move away from the engineering and more into the data science. And yet here you'd been asked to like, you know, stop doing the data science and move back to the engineering. Yes. How did you feel about that? Well, yeah, that that's when I feel like, you know, um, been, been been doing this for a while. I feel like, okay, yes, uh, you have to kind of like get the data out to, to do to do that anyway. And there wasn't anybody else to it. So for startup, you just kind of pick it up. Um, but after that, you know, uh, I, I really want to move back to the data science. But the, the problem is, you know, once you build something, you kind of own it. <laughs> so, yeah, so kind of got uh, stuck doing that rather than, you know, having more time to do the data science part. So I, I was kind of paying it forward and thinking, you know, gonna be able to do more data science after that, but um, it still wasn't the case just because, you know, there just wasn't enough uh, the, uh, um, engineering um, on the data science team to do, to do that part. So yeah, yeah, it, it was a little, I guess, you know, disappointing from, from my point of view, mm -hmm. but you know, at, at the time that it, it's something that needs to be done. So I was willing to do it and, you know, uh, pay my dues, uh, sort, sort, sort of way. <laughs> Were you surprised when this project was given to you? Was it kind of like, wait, what, we need a whole new data pipeline or was that, that expected? No, that, that was kind of surprising because I think the, maybe other people, other folks already knew the, you know, some of that pivot. Uh, but I, I wasn't kind of expecting that. I kind of knew that I would have to help out because pipelines always, uh, the analogy is like, it's always leaking. You, you have to kind of repair it, but to come up with a completely new pipeline that, that was, uh, kind of different, uh, than, than, than what I expected. What was your most memorable day at Aristotle? Yeah. So let's see, I think. Uh, one of our customer was actually in San Francisco, and then we all like Uber there to kind of test out our model. You know, like you know, you, the, the model is you know, uh, you have your phone, you have your Wi-Fi, uh, you walk by, and then it you know picks it up, and then do some uh, do some kind of analysis, and then you you, you get the result back to the the, the customer. Uh, one time 
we're rolling these things out, and then you know the CEO is like, oh yeah, let's let's all get into the call Uber, go there, um, you know, have have yourself recorded, and then see the result back. Um, came back and look at the data, so that that was pretty cool. Oh, interesting! I've never heard of dog fooding quite like that before. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But I imagine that was a pretty expensive road trip for yeah. For I guess it wasn't so bad. Maybe you know, like. It, I don't know if everybody went, but a lot of folks went there, you know, at different time, actually. Yeah, because we want to test it at different time. So, yeah, go at different time, see if people show up on, on, on the analysis, and then see how good it was. Yeah. And so was the data good? Yeah, it was it was pretty good, pretty, pretty, pretty accurate. Um, well, you know, we kind of know what we're looking for. <laughs> you, you know, that that's how these things are right? for, for, for models. If you know exactly what you're looking for, you're going to you know, most likely find it. If you don't, and it's needle in a haystack. So uh, I think it was it was okay. And we knew when, when and where to look for it. As far as perks go, was there anything that made Aristotle's perks unique or something that was really delightful about working there? Yeah, yeah. So um, the location was good. You know, it's, it's in the mission. Um, and then for the team itself, uh, because our CTO was also a, you know, a, Data professional, he gave us a lot of lead room. So we have um, classes, online classes that we go through, work through problems ourselves. So it's it's very much uh, very academic environment uh, where you know we, we're giving a lot of leeways to learn and then kind of uh, improve on our data science skills. At that time, deep learning was hot, so we, we take some deep learning class, went through it together. Um, so it was. Very interesting, uh, you know, on top of the job that we were doing. So uh, that was a very good perk uh, from a data scientist's point of view. Was there ever a point that you had a hunch that, like, maybe things for the company weren't going as well as you, you were hoping they would be? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, like, uh, I, I joined, like, in the middle of, I want to say, like, the summer? I forgot. Um, but then at the end, year end, you know, there was some sales target and, Missed that, and they were starting to have some turnovers. So, uh, I think that's that's when I saw things were not going as well. And when we uh, not not just pivot, but you pivot and then <laughs> another pivot, not not really pivot, but adding on things that are more. I mean, you know, when I'm talking about the the, the company itself, you know, most people would probably have that lights about oh privacy issues. Um, I think when I joined, it wasn't as of a deal, but as you know, things were getting uh, more. I wouldn't say desperate when, when, when you know, uh, the current business is not working. Then there's more privacy issue creeps that 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 I was seeing that I wasn't as comfortable with, and that's when I knew that oh, that's probably not uh, going to be good for me long term. Um, oh, yeah. like in the sense that the the, um, the policies the company was setting out were. On the line of like, is this good for the world or not? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Because um, you know, before it was tracking more anonymously. You know, like at the, like the number of people and you know, um, traffic, time, things like that. Whereas you know, in order to actually make more money, you would have to kind of go the advertising route, right? And who shows up? When are they showing up? Who are these people? And then you could like monetize that a little bit better. Um, and then I think, you know, it kind of go 
on a more slippery slope as as you think about the way you monetize, right? You think about you know people like Facebook and uh, other folks. Uh, the, the the privacy uh, angle gets uh, more blur as time goes on, especially when you, you know, need to need to monetize. So yeah, that's when I when I knew you know the the traditional way of doing things, you know, counting how many footsteps in you know in a store, it's, it's not going to make as much money. Um, and then you have to do things that's a little bit more borderline. And that's when I thought uh, it wasn't uh, to what I like to do. Did, did any of your colleagues share with you the same concern? I, I think everybody has uh, those concerns, especially the data data scientists, data folks, because we all could see what the data are. <laughs> um, and, and everybody kind of thought about it, but it was, you know, I, I think, you know, people already voiced some of those opinions in terms of, but it wasn't blatant or it wasn't like at the point that we were you know, uncomfortable with, but being in the business for a little bit, uh, for a while, I, I could see where it's where it's going. <laughs> um, so yes, there, 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 there were talks, but you know, it wasn't, I wouldn't say we don't, we haven't seen it coming, but it wasn't happening just yet when we were starting to discuss those things. And did the leadership team ever address kind of, you know, hey, this is why yeah. we're doing it and this is why we think it's okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, that, that was, addressed like, you know, uh, kind of day one, but, you know, that was for a different uh, product. You know, when, when we pivot more and more, you could see certain things are moving towards the, the, the other way. And then obviously, you know, leadership address those. Um, but I guess there's a degree of, you know, what, what you could be comfortable with, um, you know. So I, I think that's kind of more of a personal uh, choice. Um, but leadership that that provide you know um, rationale, um, but you know it depends how how much you buy those. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's definitely a challenging situation of especially if things are only are pivoting slightly, what's reframing the whole kind of problem space of what the company's willing to do. That if you're slowly moving mm -hmm. more and more to that other side, uh, you can see where it's going. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a personal decision anyway. Like, you know, maybe they won't, maybe they would, but, you know, I, I don't want to stay to find out yeah. <laughs> exactly where that, that is going. That, that makes yeah. total sense. And I guess outside of the, this issue that we, we just discussed, was there anything else really ridiculous that the company did, whether it was just culturally or a weird investment? What, what stood out to you as something just ridiculous that you couldn't believe that they were doing this thing? leadership were like really into the VC because they, they've been around for a while. So there are other people pitching us and, you know, we're, we're pitching VC and other people pitching uh, to us. And I, I got to join in some of those, um, uh, you know, some of those meetings about weird way of utilizing, you know, Bluetooth and, and, and um, other, other technology. And some of those were, um, I would say kind of, Totally weird and focused, um, but you know, since I, I I was never on this you know VC side or funding side, uh, it was pretty ridiculous on you know what what people will, will throw at you and then how you respond to that. Um, it's also uh, very interesting. Uh, I mean, you could kind of uh, kind of visualize you know how 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 these things will go when people pitch you like crazy stuff and then you can't, but you don't want to you know 
tell them to their face, but you know, <laughs> the way you contort yourself to kind of tell them, you know, oh, um, yeah. So those were kind of kind of funny, I, I would say, yeah. more, more funny than ridiculous. Yeah. Joe, you mentioned that you started to have concerns about the direction the company was taking. Um, was there was it one particular moment or was it just sort of over time where you see, okay, they're, they're doing this where they're going a little bit more, you know, after personal day that you don't feel comfortable with, or was there one moment where you're like, Oh no, I, I, I have to go. Yeah, it was slowly, but um, you know, the, the, the CTO uh, that, that kind of started, uh, you know, the data science team, he, he was, um, he, he, he had left. Um, I don't know what the circumstances were, but he had left. And so, and then other people start, to leave, um, so I, at that point, I kind of knew <laughs> something was up, and you know that kind of coincided with you know all these like uh, pivoting also. So, um, and I was ready to go. Uh, that was the time when I uh, was successfully push out the um, pipeline. I thought I, I I had you know done done what I you know pay my dues, and there wasn't a lot of. Um, Data science work uh, that I like to do at that at that at that point. So it, it was a combination of things, and it kind of all happened, you know, when 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 things pivot and people leave. Um, so yeah, that's kind of when 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 I um, start thinking about leaving. You know, you know, you notice that people are leaving, which is often when there's turnover at the, at the time the business isn't doing uh, good, and when the product is pivoting, it's another sign. Did you know explicitly how the business was doing, or did you just take those um, indicators and, and infer that it was not doing it as good as you would want? Yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't have the information, you know, financial information, or things like that. Um, and the company didn't share it at a company meetings or anything like that. I think they they might have, but it you know a lot of them don't, don't really make sense to me. You know, it, it's always like, oh yeah, the, there's one way. There's you know like how much we're making, but I, I knew it wasn't. What we have set out, I think, right before I joined, uh, there was a new round of funding, and the funding was to you know get a certain amount of uh, you know amount of, uh, sales for the next year, and I know we weren't hitting those targets, so I mean, that wasn't working, and, and, and that's why you know they, they, they were pivoting and stuff like that. So I didn't know exactly what those numbers were, but I knew it wasn't wasn't looking good. Got it. And so then, um, when you started looking elsewhere, were you looking really more than just for that for that pure data scientist role? Yeah. So so after that, I wanted just a pure data scientist role, just because you know, uh, from from that experience, I mean, I know that the my engineering experience actually uh, was holding me back, just holding me back. So I wanted to do you know, uh, go somewhere where you know the 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 data the, the data engineering part wasn't as intense um you know like, like my first startup uh, at the at, at the biotech company there wasn't enough data to to do real data science so that's why I joined Starto and then when I left Starto it, it it was you know that that wasn't actually the concern is the number of data it's actually like the the business proposition what you could use your model for so that's kind of where I want to go, and then you know, I was, I was, I was ready for something different, and and, and not doing any more data engineering. <laughs> was there anything that was making you think, well, maybe I should stay at Aristotle, or were you, you knew you had to go? Yeah, I knew, I knew, I, I knew I, I had to go. 
um, and the the job market was you know doing well, and there were a lot of you know uh, people contacted me and and opportunities that was kind of uh, suited to what I wanted to do. So um, that's that's when I when I decided. Oh yeah, you know it, it was time. It was just waiting for the right opportunity. Right. You know, I imagine uh, not being a data scientist, but I know that, you know, companies I've worked for when we want to get a data scientist, it's always very hard. And it's seen as like this rare commodity to get a good data scientist. So do you always feel that you have your, your pick of jobs and you can really sort of dictate where you go? Um, I think, you know, for, for a, yeah, for an amount of time, I, I believe so. It's, it's not, I think there's a lot of data scientists coming up like bootcamp and stuff like that. But um being a little bit more seasoned data scientist, having some experience and actually knowing how to work uh, in that environment, yeah, I believe you know, give me an edge. So and and having a network also help. Um, but yeah, uh, I think you know the, the issue is most uh, companies don't really know what they need a data scientist for. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, like. Yeah, it's hard to hire a, a good data scientist that will fit your need. Um, maybe it's not as hard to hire a data scientist just to have a data scientist. Right. And do you, so do you feel that through the interviewing process? You mentioned a little bit even at, at Aristotle that people don't necessarily know what they want, but they just feel like, oh, we have to have a data scientist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of places uh, do uh, do feel that way. Um, you you basically you know start with you know analysts, you, you do analysis, and then you bring in like, Machine learning and 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 data scientists. Um, you know, at Aristotle, they they did have, you know, a defined problem that they have, and they were just trying to optimize that. So that that's kind of already mapped out. Other places, um, they know they need a data scientist, but you know, and, and there's there's different type of data scientists, right? Like, um, there are like people who are specifically to marketing, people who are more like to the engineering to to solving like you know operation problems. So um, if you don't if you don't know then 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 you don't know right so you, you might hire a data scientist who are you know more on the operation side and you really want a data scientist who who could help your marketing you know help your uh, yeah um, yeah yeah the, the the marketing effort got it so when you you know um, so you have people reaching out to you you find the the role that you think is the right one to to make your next career move. Uh, and you tell your manager at Aristotle that you you plan on leaving. Do they try to convince you to stay at all? Yeah, yeah. Um, it actually coincide with the manager leaving <laughs> at 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 similar time. So there's a lot of other folks leaving. So you know there there was um, the, the the team was getting much smaller. So they they did you know try to keep me with pretty generous uh, compensation, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I knew I, I didn't want to be there for long haul. So is there anything they could have offered you that would have made you stay? No, no, they they they, they were giving me a really sweet deal, but I just didn't see myself uh, staying there. So. Well, you're a better man than I. I, I could easily be bought. Um. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I might be, but then you know, like it, it you know, six months down the who knows, right? It's it's so peculiar. Right. So then I think we're, we're down to the, the question we, we end every show with, and that's, you know, uh, if you could have gone back into a time machine into that summer of 2016 and, and talked to yourself at that time, would you have still taken the offer at Aristotle? I probably won't. Um, 
yeah, I probably won't like knowing what I know now and the situation I was getting in. I probably look for something slightly different, slight, you know, less on the engineering side. Uh, it it was just you know the perception of you know doing more engineering versus you know more pure you know product type deal because you know I was talking to a lot of engineers they were really hardcore electric engineer and things like that. Uh, if if I knew what I know, I would probably you know tell myself to go look for more product orientated uh, uh, company, um, more domain specific knowledge rather than just you know the perception of doing more engineering. Right. Well, Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was very insightful. Um, Stephen and I are as far away from data scientists as possible, so it's really great to hear uh, your side of, of what it's like to work uh, in that field. Oh, thank you. Thanks, thanks, guys. Stephen, what struck you about today's episode? The big thing that really stuck out to me with this interview, Jake, was I think every company struggles what to do with a data scientist. Everyone feels behind the times that they have data and they're not really analyzing or leveraging it in every way, shape, or form. And you just feel like you're stuck and you're not really forward thinking. And if you don't really know what to do with that data in the first place, like you already feel behind the times, the next natural step is to hire a data scientist uh, because that seems like the most obvious thing to like, oh, we don't know what to do with this data. Maybe this data scientist can help us out and figure out what to do. And I feel like a lot of companies fall into this trap without really thinking too much what they need to do. Because nobody's going to say, we don't need to bother looking at this data. Everyone wants to have better understanding of these things, although they don't know what they want to have a better understanding of. Right. If you, if you say we don't need a data scientist, it's almost like admitting that your competitors are further ahead than you and they're just going to continue to get more and more ahead of you. You need that data scientist to be competitive. And uh, you know, we've, we've both been at companies where, exactly as you said, um, we didn't know what questions we needed answered or what we wanted the data scientist to do for us. We were just sort of hoping, well, if we hire this data scientist, they'll, they'll descend from above with amazing insights that will transform the business. But uh, truthfully, it's almost just like we were passing the buck um, and not knowing what we should do ourselves. Oh, yeah. Everyone wants, nobody's going to say, no, hey, hey, do we want like a magical data point that's going to make us be so much better than competitors? It might be there. We might, we have to hire someone to find out. Um, because we don't know. No one's going to say no to that. It just feels like, oh, I feel like an idiot if I go to the board and say, we don't have any data scientists on our team. It doesn't make you sound smart. Yeah. Do you think the, the just the phrase data scientist makes it all the more appealing? Like it was just like data guy, no one would really care, but like data scientist, that sounds like very cutting edge. It does sound cutting edge. And it just sounds cool. Data guy, mm, data person, mm. Yeah, it's all about, I think it's a scientist suffix on data that really makes it shine. You know, I think there's some other interesting aspects from this episode as well, especially when it comes down to your job responsibilities. Yeah, so I was really, you know, uh, it was interesting that um, Joe had wanted, you know, he joined the company because he wanted to move away from being a data engineer into being a data scientist. Uh, but then they asked him to take on this project because he's the only one with the skill set but it's, it's going backwards from where he wanted to go in his career of, you know, coming to a scientist, they ask him to go back to being a, an engineer and he agrees to do it and then gets stuck being the one who owns this, this project that he didn't want to do. And you have to sort of wonder, you know, when, you know, your team or your manager asks you to do something, are you always obligated to do it? You know, at what, what times can you say no, or should you put terms on it? Like I'll, I'll do this project for three months, but at the end you have to promise me that, you know, I'm going to be full time 
you know, data scientist, how, how would you have acted in that situation? Oh, it's, it's so challenging, especially I would say when you're new in your career, uh, you don't know to say no to certain tasks. I know I used to have a manager who would come into my office after being told politely no to certain projects by one of my colleagues. He would then come to my office and say, Stephen, I have a great new opportunity for you. Uh, to who can say no to that? And no one wants to be the person saying, no, I don't want to do this critically important thing to the company because uh, it just doesn't make you seem like a team player. And even if it's not what you want to do, someone has to do it, but you don't want to be the person owning it forever. And there's not really a good way to have that discussion with your manager at the time. Like, I'll do it up until this point. It's more of just the, like, hey, can you take care of this for this time for right now? But there's no discussion of like, what does it mean for the future, which I feel like a lot of people miss out on. Right. I like the, you know, the thing about being a team player, because there, there have been times in my career where I've taken on things that are outside of my responsibility. And I think that it reflected very well upon me that people thought like, oh, you know, he's willing to do whatever it takes to, you know, help the business grow. And so it can be beneficial to, you know, to take this stuff on. And so maybe it's just, you know, you really have to look at it on a situation by situation and say, you know, is it worth the risk? That you know, I want to be known as you know, the data pipeline guy instead of the data scientist guy, um, and see so, you know is that risk worth taking um, because it can you know uh, sort of raise your profile in the company overall. So true. There's just a lot of things you have to take in consideration, and I think my advice to people on that is ask about like if you're concerned about the project, make sure to like kind of set up some bounds of kind of what where your area of responsibility will be during the duration of this project you don't really want to be owning. And with that, that wraps up episode eight. Thanks for tuning in and stay tuned for the near future for episode nine.